Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am in Las Vegas. The rest of the crew is back in Southern California. How are we all doing? I'm here with Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Joyce. Jihei, you got to be feeling good. You're Duke. Blue Devils came out of nowhere, winning the conference and kind of a sleeper pick to have a long run here in the tournament. Well, I mean, it's not really out of nowhere. I mean, it's a nine-game winning streak. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to, like, downplay it or anything like that or upplay it or anything like that, but nine games in a row. Pretty, Did you pretty see that streak good. coming? No, I did not see that. Okay, I guess that, that's what that, I was yeah. <laughs> not surprised for sure. Um, you know what? I've said it before. I'll say it again. Derek Whitehead. If we had him in the beginning of the season, I w- I'd be getting a number one seed. I like that kid is the difference maker. He is all the difference. Um, I wish we had him in the beginning. I get it. He's he's been hurt on and off the whole entire year. But you know what are you going to do? We're here now, so I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm happy. Um, yay. March Madness. <laughs> so okay. I, I just have really low expectations, though, um, as far as they're concerned. And I know a lot of people have them. Uh, I, I think Jay Billis has them going all the way, possibly with um, against UConn. Wait, but wait, I, wait. But di- didn't Jay Billis go to Duke? <laughs> you would be surprised. Jay Billis actually doesn't. <laughs> no, well. I agree. I think they have it. They also, Jihei, you have to understand, they also have the toughest first-round matchup of any five seed. Oh, absolutely. It's rough. It's going to be rough. I don't think, I'm not saying that I believe that we're going to win a title this year. I'm just saying that somebody that's been doing this well longer than I have is saying that we're going to compete for a title and contend for a title. But that's just not me. I, I think Sweet 16, Elite 8, and I'll be content. So I'm, I'm happy that we won the ACC championship let alone, you know, people thinking that we're going to win a title. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. happy about that. Happy about Duke. Happy about SC, Arash, Brandon. Very happy. By the way, first time in uh, maybe, Brandon, you know, this, first time the men and the women, again, not in the play-in, not in, uh, you know, they're, they're for sure in the uh, tournament. Both teams playing on Friday should be a nice little preview of what's to come in the Big Ten with Michigan State and USC. 9.15 in the morning, I actually like those, like, girly games. So, uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the uh, Trojans? Me too. I usually like the USC early games, unless it was the Cotton Bowl. We all remember <laughs> that. That was, uh, that was pretty early in the morning as well. It was like 11 a.m., 10 a.m., um, but that was for football. No, I mean, USC, I, I, I know Jake, Jake Dicker is going to come on the second segment and talk about how, you know, he, he is a big Penn fan and he's taught all oh, Michigan State's this, they're that. 
There's one thing that concerns me about this game, and I know I'll talk about it in the second segment, is Michigan State shoots the three very well. However, USC defends the three at one of the highest marks in the country. I'm going to take USC in this game, and I think USC has the team, and they have a score like Boogie Ellis who can get you 30 on any any night, and I think that's important. Not many teams have that, so I'm expecting them to get to the Sweet 16. I think they'll beat Marquette too. I love that. By the way, our money buckets, one of the Joe Lu- Joe Lunardi projections had us USC playing Northwestern did not happen. I was really looking forward to, to that, but you know. No, you were not looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I you know, Northwestern is such a you know, academic school that just being in the freaking tournament is a blessing. And they they look at it as okay, we got Boise State round one. If we get past that game miraculously, UCLA would be next, and we probably all know what's going to happen. So I think the round of 32 is probably the goal, and then, you know, just pray after that. All right, so listen, I buried the lead because we normally lead with the Lakers. And here's the thing. We we, we do have to remember what we kind of thought going into this uh, run, this big weekend that they, they were going to have in terms of playing Toronto, in terms of playing the Knicks. We, I think we, we kind of said, I think it would be good if they split. Um now the, the problem is the way that they played against now, but so the way they played against Toronto was amazing, in in the sense that it, it wasn't a game that they needed like Anthony Davis to have this crazy stat line. In fact, he only had what did he have like eight points or whatever. Against the Knicks was not the same. Uh, they had a chance late, a bunch of missed free throws, a bunch of missed opportunities, you know. And now because of the West and such a log jam, and you're watching that game saying, if they win and our money buckets, if they had won, they would have been back to 500 first time. And I didn't know it was this long, but I guess it makes sense since January of last year. Um, now they're obviously two games below. They're back at the 11 seed. So as, as we sit here today, this morning, this, this evening, no longer a, uh, um, in the play in tournament. Carvani Buckets, I'll start with you just because we have this ongoing wager. I mean, does, does, does this weekend where they beat Toronto look really good? They lost to the Knicks, a close game, but listen, at this point, it doesn't really matter if it's close or not. How does this change how you view this team? I mean, for me personally, I know that you guys, you or Ash, you had said one and one during that stretch was the goal. You know, it wasn't a terrible loss in the optics of it. It was an all right loss to a good Knicks team. But again, Anthony Davis, when LeBron James is not present, 17 points is not going to cut it. The Wings, Troy Brown Jr., Malik Beasley, combining for two for 15 from the three-point line. You're wasting really, really special performances by D'Angelo Russell, which I personally don't think it's sustainable in the level that he's playing. 33 points, 6 of 11 from three. D'Angelo's probably good for 20 a night, but when you get 33 from him and you lose and he's red hot in the first quarter, it's not the optics of it. You wish you would get those games. With that all being said, it all really, we'll see what this team is made of on Tuesday night on the road because for the Pelicans, it's it's an equally as important game as it is for the Lakers. They're tied record-wise and in the standings. Brandon Ingram is probably going to be questionable, but given the severity of that game, I think he's going to play. 
And if they don't show up for that game, then we'll know that this team is not mentally prepared, I think, to make a playoff push. So we'll see. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I was very disappointed in yesterday. I know we came into the week saying two and one. We expected them to win against the Raptors and the Grizzlies, lose to the Knicks. It's exactly what happened, right? Uh, I mean, nothing you could have asked for more, I guess, looking at it from last week. But the way they played against the Grizzlies and the Raptors, Brunson being out, Randall looking like he was the worst player in the NBA against the Clippers, and then the next day comes back and is amazing. Same thing with RJ Barrett. Defensively, we were fine. You know, it's it's weird because OG and Anobi, Scotty Barnes both went off the previous game, still held the Raptors to like 106, 108 points. Same thing with the Knicks, held them to like 112. That's pretty good, um, if you ask me. But at the same time, no Brunson. You have to win that game. I don't care what happens. Need more urgency out of Anthony Davis. And again, I mean, Armani Buckets has a point. I mean, Troy Brown Jr., not the most talented guy in the world, but he's been playing really well. That wasn't sustainable, as we could see what happened yesterday, missing wide open looks. Malik Beasley, I mean, every single game, he looks more likely to go to Taiwan next year. I hate to say it. I mean, I, he can shoot, but like, man, he's like two out of his last 50. I hate to say it. He's a good basketball player, but... And then Jared Vanderbilt being on the court and offensive schemes toward the end of the game was kind of weird. I don't know what Darvin Ham was thinking. I know you have some thoughts, Armand. You want to you add something? Go ahead. I was just going to say uh, the biggest news for the Lakers last night might have not been on the court. It was the fact that LeBron was seen without a walking boot and without a noticeable limp. That yeah. he, We know he's bionic. And I wouldn't be shocked now. I know that it hasn't been reported, but, you know, I think they play Orlando on Sunday. Does that seem like out of the question? Well, you know, here's, here's the thing. We'll probably hear a report from Dave or, or someone on the beat. Uh, it, it'll maybe come the, the night before. It'll come the day of. But, I mean, that is a big thing. You know, no walking boot, no limp. He's walking around. I, I, I think he kind of, you know, Wants to see how this team does. Let's go over the standings real quick. Again, such a logjam where you go from the, the nine seed to the technically the 11th. Now, they're all tied here. The Lakers, the Thunder, the Jazz, all tied at 33 and 35. So that's 9, 10, and 11. Key being that the 9 and 10 seed would be in the play-in tournament. Again, those, those teams are just one game back of the 7 and 8 seed. Again, key there is you win and you advance. You don't have to, uh, you know, play two. And then the 8 seed, the key there is that if you lose, you get one more chance. Again, one game back of that, two games back of the 11 seed. I mean, sorry, two games back of the 6 seed, which is the Warriors. So, you know, now, and again, what I what I brought up a week ago, is that they have a magic number now, which for a while they did not because they didn't know how all, all these teams would do. Realistically, if you get to 41 wins, if you get to that magic elusive 500 mark, which I've been saying for a while, you're in. Now, where you, you land, I think 500, you may be in that 7 to 8 spot. Uh, guys, can they get there? Can they get to 500? Um, yeah, I just want to add on. I still think, I know... Armand brought brought up that whole point about LeBron coming back. What I was going to say as well, and this this is answers your question. Yes, I, I do think they're the most talented team 
right now in that mix. They're certainly better than the Mavericks. Uh, Mavericks have a slew of issues. They're better than the Timberwolves, even though they lost to them. Those are teams in the 7-8, right? And they're 100% better than the Jazz, Thunder, Blazers, any of those teams right now. I mean, and, and it starts with defense. They've had the best defensive rate in the NBA since the trade deadline. They're still 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. You can't, I mean, I know Armand likes to hit on the Lakers and want them to not miss the play. They are not going to miss the play-in. I know that it was a tough loss against the Knicks. They're playing excellent basketball, both ends of the floor. And I can't sit up here and say like, but yeah, it's possible the Pelicans beat them, but I'm expecting the Lakers to go three, four and oh over these next four games. I really do. I expect maybe the loss comes to the Mavericks, but I certainly expect them to beat the Pelicans and the Rockets on back-to-back days. And then they'll be 500 or off. And you guys touched on it, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, Tuesday on the road against the Pelicans. Wednesday on the road against the Rockets. Perhaps the worst team in the league. Coming coming back home Friday against the Mavericks. Sunday against the Orlando Magic at home. Wednesday, big one. Could now that that could be a big one for LeBron if you wanted to come back? I don't know. Against the Suns. Although Katie's out for the season, so or at least the regular season. So, Not I mean, yet. Well, because it, it, he it, he will be. Yeah, he's not going to come. I don't think I, I he'll would, push it. I would be very surprised if Kevin Durant is out for the rest of the season. Very surprised. He regular he season. To, oh, so he you get him even come back. Okay, I think he'll be back for the final few games. But when huh. first of all, I have a few things to say about this Lakers defensive talk. <laughs> when the stat that they keep portraying since the All Star break or since February first, the defense is so good. That stat to me. When you're number two and the number one team defensively is Charlotte, the stat is a small (laughs) sample size and it's still somewhat to be seen. It's to be determined. Guys like Julius Randle, when they see the Lakers, they're still licking their chops. They're not really intimidated by the Lakers. And then when we talk about playing really well and beating Toronto, I still can't unsee what they do in the third quarters when they completely fall apart for like a 12-minute stretch. These are not really wins that convince me that this team is headed to the play-in tournament. And also, I mean, you know, we we mentioned 9 through 11 being tied, but the Pelicans are also tied at 12th. And if yeah. they beat the Lakers on Tuesday, all of a sudden you're right back down to 12th place and all those feelings of uncertainty are going to arise again. So we'll see. I mean, Tuesday is, is the day that it's judgment day for the Lakers on Tuesday. We have a lot of these judgment days. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot yep. of games to be left. <laughs> I mean, what the biggest difference is, and I know it's a small sample size, this is not the same team that put the Lakers in this position. If this team, as it's currently constructed, began the season, they would be a playoff team. They would not be in this play-in conversation. That being said, they they got to work themselves out of the hole that the former team put them in. Um, and so it's one of those things where I view this team as, and I don't want to call them a lock, but the way that they're playing, like I don't, worry about this team going into a hole again or into a funk. I mean, the way that they're playing together, the positivity defensively, like, like, like if you want to say that they're not top five, they're far they're, they They've improved so much compared to where they were before it's night and day. And so when you have a group of guys who want to play together, who believe in each other um, and again, I really think that this team's goal is not just to play in tournament. I mean, clearly that they're looking at 
moving up, you know, perhaps be in that sixth seed. So we'll see where, where they land. The, the, the Knicks loss was tough in the sense that, you know, shoot, you, you go into the stretch, at least we do, thinking that if they go 2-1, fantastic. You know, if they had gone 3-0, and people are now talking to them about being in that sixth seed. So we'll see about that. Uh, before we head to the break, just because this has been, you know, this is the beginning, beginning of free agency in the National Football League. And by the way, our money buck is good trade by your Chicago Bears. I mean, a team that didn't need a quarterback getting a big haul like that for the first overall pick. Uh, Brandon, we do have to get into what's happening with the Rams. We've really never seen a Super Bowl champion team really go to what they've become now. I mean, one of, if not the worst, title defenses followed that up by, you know, they've traded Jalen Ramsey. They've cut uh, a few players. I mean, this is a rebuild. And, And to be honest, it's one of those teams, and this hasn't happened yet, if you're Matthew Stafford, do you do you want to come back to this situation? If you're um, Aaron Donald, do you want to come back here? Again, I did not think that last year's team was that far off. This year's team, the one that we have going into next season, clearly is. What's happening with the Rams? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a lot of it is contingent on the cap, right? I mean, they were going to be $25, $30 million over the cap, um, and they decided, look, Leonard Floyd, he has a cap hit of $19 million. We're still going to get rid of him. That was important. It saved him a little bit, even though it still cost them a lot, if that makes sense. Jalen Ramsey, once they got rid of Bobby Wagner, they kind of needed to trade him because he makes too much money. And if you're, you got to choose, right? At some point, they decided to choose, okay, we won the Super Bowl. We're going to choose Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, and we're going to allocate the minimal money we still have. Because remember, there's it's a hard cap in the NFL. You have to be uh, under it to play football. So they were going to have to restructure everybody's contract if they wanted to keep Ramsey and those guys, right? So now they have a situation where they can get their healthy um, linemen back. They have an extra pick now. Obviously, it wasn't a great haul by Les Need, but you still can get some more linemen, get some more maybe defensive players in the draft. Decent core, but I think they're kind of looking at the San Francisco 49ers and they're like, man, can we really beat this team with Christian McCaffrey? You know, I mean, they lost. They've lost how many times out of the last eight meetings? I know they won in the game that mattered last year. But if, if I'm them, I think this is a smart decision, not a full rebuild, but really look understanding where they're at and being able maybe to use player development more over these next couple of seasons and still compete with Stafford and Cup. Yeah. And Armani Buckets, I got to give you the floor here on your Chicago Bears. Again, um, there was a thought that they would probably move and they would probably make a trade. The the the, the commodity of a first-round pick is so much. I'm really surprised at the haul that they got and the wide receiver that they got. Your your thoughts on uh, on that, that trade? It is one of the few times that I can remember a Chicago team and Chicago GM actually fleecing another team. So it's it's weird to be on the other end of things. And now you set yourself up to have a really nice, fun, young team. And the NFC, besides, you know, Philly and San Fran, there is an opening there for somebody. I don't know if it's going to be us just yet, but Justin Fields, I'm very glad that they committed to him, given the fact that, you know, our history at quarterback has been so unbelievably sad the fact that we have a guy and i don't know you know what he's going to look like as a pocket passer or whatever 
But the fact that he can at least run and be a game breaker and be exciting and that we're committing to him, I'm very encouraged and I'm very excited for this upcoming season. By the way, the Rams and the Chargers need to watch out. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they come to Los Angeles and I think that they realized they had to put out a competitive product. The Rams more so than just a competitive product. I mean, they won a Super Bowl. They, they went to two, two Super Bowls. They've been competitive. The Chargers have one of the most exciting teams on paper. But you, you talk to people in San Diego who, you know, covered that team for quite a long time. And they said, you know, well, watch out because at some point they're going to get cheap. And then today we get the word that that Dostatid that Dustin Eckler has demanded a trade, uh, demanded a trade, or at least demanded to, to be uh, that he can talk to other teams because of a contract dispute. You're talking about one of the most exciting players in the league. You're talking about a guy who had 1,600 yards from scrimmage. Just, just a really bad look for, for the two teams in Los Angeles right now. And again, they're definitely in a precarious position. They both need to put a competitive product on the field or watch out. SoFi Stadium will be taken over by the opposing fans, as has been the case, or I think even worse yet, by the way, if those seats are not filled. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Jake Digger. When we come back on the Mightier 1090s from the California, the bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310 400 Zero three four zero. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now, and we're joined by our good friend Jake Dicker. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. All right, so the NCAA tournament bracket is out. I think everyone on this panel is somewhat happy. I, you know, listen. I have no delusions of grandeur. USC is a football school, but the men's team and the women's team are both in the tournament. G. Hayes, Duke Blue Devils went on a nine-game winning streak. Everyone's thinking that they might do something. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on the tournament, the brackets, and all that good stuff? I am very, very excited. I think they they got it right with Alabama as the number one overall seed um, in the tournament, and then you know round out the, the one the one line with Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. Um, but you know it should be fun. The South is is kind of underwhelming. I think there are a couple different teams that can come out of that region. I think the West is stacked. I know. I know we'll get into that. Um, Houston getting the the one in the Midwest over Kansas. And Houston going to play in Kansas City was a little surprising to me. Um, but you know I think the the field is more wide open this year than it's been um, in recent memory. So this this is going to be a really fun tournament. 
Brandon, did you guys have some kind of a wager before Jake hopped on? Uh, what? No, we don't. We, we don't have a wager. I just think you know he's a big fan guy. Likes Michigan State. He hates USC. And I, I, I agree. I think <laughs> oh, I'm Michigan. I'm a Michigan UCLA State. guy. Okay, as well, you're both. But because uh, you're Wisconsin now too, uh, and UCLA, no, we're not in the Big Ten. Well, UCLA will be in the Big Ten, so basically you're a Big Ten guy, and so will I be eventually as well. But uh, what I was saying is I do like Michigan State, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Obviously, they play with toughness uh, always. Tom Izzo coach teams do. At the same time, I just looked at the matchup, and the reason why I think USC is going to win is because USC also has one of the best three-point shooting defenses in the country, one of the best defenses in general, and a guy that can go put up 30 whenever you need him to. I know he didn't do that against ASU and Boogie Ellis, but uh, Drew Peterson's going to be the, the wild card. Is he going to be play like he's the worst player you've ever seen, or is he going to play well, like one of the best players in college basketball? There's really no in-between for him. He either gets... 26 and six or zero zero and zero you know so i think drew peterson has a lot is on him you know boogie ellis is going to step up i think usd is poised to make a run i think they also match up well against marquette and so does michigan state so i do think whoever wins that usc um michigan state game will beat marquette i do like marquette i i think they're a tough team but i just look at the numbers and in the matchups between those two teams and i think the winner of usc michigan state will beat marquette and for ucla by the way I thought before this tournament started, there was three teams that I would pick to win it all. Houston, of course, if Marcus Sasser is there, Kansas, and UCLA are the three teams. I was like, only three teams I think could win it all. And unfortunately, all three of those teams, right, are in the same side of the bracket. So basically, Alabama and Purdue, who's not even going to get past the second round, by the way, I'll say that right now, Purdue, they're going to lose to Memphis in the second round, in my opinion. Uh, they... Though that side gets it easy now, UCLA, like you mentioned yesterday, Jake, they get UConn, they have to maybe play Gonzaga, who was one of the best offenses in the country, and then Kansas in an Elite Eight. And then if they win that game, Houston in the final four, right? So they have a gauntlet of us. Of a, I think the, the tournament did not get give UCLA any favors. I think they still should have been a one seed. I'm sure you can attest to that, Jake. But those are my thoughts, initial thoughts in the tournament. I think it also doesn't help that UCLA is very, very hurt right now as well, right? Don't yeah, they have of a- course. Yeah, Jalen Clark, Jalen Clark's. Yeah, UCLA's hurt, and UCLA's a team that couldn't afford to get hurt because UCLA's played. You know, UCLA's really played six man deep all year. You know, if you want to include Dylan Andrews in that, you can call it seven man rotation. But they've really just been six guys. You know, contributing the majority of, of the minutes, and, and you know, you lose Clark, who's arguably the best defender in the country, um, which is which is huge. He was also giving you 12, 13 points a game. So that, that's you know, you're going to feel the loss of Jalen Clark at some point. That's one of the things about the selection committee that I get that they have to do that. But it, it is really tough when you've played the entire season. You're the number two team in the country going into the Pac-12 tournament. You get to the championship game. You're hurt. And they knock you from being a one seed because they they, they do talk about that. You know, like, like what does this team look like going into the tournament? Did, did they just lose a key player? If they lost a key player, they're no longer a one seed. They're a two seed. So they are a two seed. Did they will begin the tournament in Sacramento? Um, 
again, I, I think we all agree. I mean, I, I thought they did enough to deserve the one seed. I, I mean, I, I have no doubt if they had won the Pac-12 tournament and it was a classic game, they would have been. But it's just crazy to me that you go from being a one to a two off of, let's just say, a two-point loss in the Pac-12 uh, championship game. Is, I don't know. I yeah, I want to absolutely. I want to chime in here real quick before we move on. On that point, I do understand why the committee does what they have to do. But that being said, it's not like UCLA walked in and lost a first-round matchup to Colorado. They lost, you know, without without Jalen Clark and then also without Pac-12 freshman of the year, Dembona, held one of the highest-scoring offenses in the country to whatever it was, 50-something, 61 points um, in, in the Pac-12 championship game. And if UCLA's offense doesn't go stagnant for the final five minutes of that game— you know, they, they walk out as Pac-12 champions without the, the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year and the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year in that championship game. I don't know how, you know, you can walk out of that the Pac-12 tournament as UCLA feeling like, you know, you didn't do nearly as much as you could do given with what you had. It wasn't like UCLA walked in and just folded and looked like a completely different team. Yeah. So so I fully agree with, with what you're saying. Yeah. And I... I was just going to add, I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, you didn't have Bona, and you still, and I think Arizona's overrated to begin with. Like, I think they'll lose in the second round um, to, who do I have? Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's going to beat them right now. I'll tell you that right now. Missouri's going to beat them. Missouri's a good team. I think Tennessee is one of the best teams in the country. Um, they have the second DPI, and they beat Tennessee like three times. So, like, I'll tell you right now, Arizona's in trouble. Um I, those are my thoughts there. UCLA, I still think it's the Elite Eight. Call me crazy, at least. I mean, I think they play Kansas. I, I just see, look, their side of the bracket, you have to get through Gonzaga is basically the team, right, to get to the Elite Gonzaga Eight. Gonzaga has to get through gonna, TCU. And TCU's good. TCU's the number one team. Yeah, TCU's number one in fast break points in the country, by the way. Explosive offense, very well-coached team. And TCU is a popular up upset pick over Gonzaga. Could very well happen. This is the weakest Gonzaga team we've seen in years, probably. And then look at the other side. I think a lot of people, because of their huge blowout loss to Gonzaga, people are sleeping on St. Mary's. They think VCU is going to win. I think St. Mary's beats VCU and beats UConn. Like, I mean, there's just a little bit. I mean, I know it's unpopular pick. I know UConn's very good. But UCLA really just has to beat uh, UNC Asheville. Is it Asheville? NC Asheville. I mean, that's they're going to beat them. Northwestern, they're going to beat them. Or Boise State. And then you have Gonzaga or TCU. And I think they'll win that game. So I think UCLA has a decent path until the Elite Eight. Then it gets tough, right? Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm glad you brought up St. Mary's VCU. That's that's one of my you know the games I'm very excited to see in in the first uh, the first round, just because St. Mary's you know play they play very methodical offense. They slow the game down. They they make you play at your pace. They don't love you know facing pressure. When VCU, all they do is apply pressure. VCU runs up and down the floor, and they're gonna they're gonna push St. Mary's in a way I don't think that they've been pushed all year. That includes against Gonzaga, because um, you know VCU VCU is one of the quickest paced teams in the country. So that'll be a really really fun. Um, I, I love the five twelves this year. You got them. You got Duke Oral Roberts, which is I'm so excited to watch. Saint, uh, San Diego State Charleston. That's a, that's going to be a fun game. And then you know Miami Drake. Everyone that's no, that's a popular upset pick too. Um, so those games will all be be really really good first round matchups. Well, by the way, Jake, since we have another, you and I'll go ahead. Brandon as yeah. well. Oh, you know what? Like, we'll, we'll we'll go back to Marsh Madness in a little bit. But before I forgot. World Baseball Classic is happening right now, and I didn't oh, think I, I would be excited, but seeing Jake <laughs> tweet about it, Brandon, you as well. Just real quick, I mean, if, if, if folks are more focused on the NBA tournament 
thoughts on the World Baseball Classic right now? Um, it's been, I mean, it's been great. Just, I mean, the, the stuff going on with Japan and Korea and that environment with Joe Otani has been, has been absolutely incredible to watch. But I mean, you want to talk about Team USA, who, you know, we talk about as one of the, you know, the best teams that we've ever seen offensively on a field. Um, it was just going to be, can the pitching hold? And there's now a real shot where Team USA goes three and one in pool play and gets eliminated. Um, and doesn't advance because if there, there's a scenario where, USA after losing to Mexico, USA, Colombia, and Mexico all finished three and one, and where you know um, USA would have beaten Colombia, Colombia would have beat Mexico, and Mexico would have beat the USA. So the head-to-head tiebreaker because everyone's beat everybody is thrown out the window, and it basically comes down to um, how many runs you've allowed per out that you've made. Um, and USA gave up 11 runs to Mexico, which puts them in a really, really bad spot. So the USA really needs you know Canada or um, who's the other team in the region that I'm blanking on, um, Great Britain, to beat either Colombia or Mexico. Because if not, there's a real shot where all these teams finish 3-1 and one and the USA is, is is eliminated based on that tiebreaker just because the pitching the pitching is not there. You know, it, it was it was always going to be how far can this offense take the team, um, you know, with Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado. I mean, I can keep going. But when, when Clayton Kershaw and Logan Webb were on the roster, it was like, all right, we got a little bit. We got a little bit here. And now both of those guys... Um, for for different reasons that aren't on the roster, and and it, it, it's it's tough. Like this is this would be one of the biggest. I mean, I don't want to compare it to like, I'm like I'm saying like the USA team not making the World Cup. Like it's comparable. Like it's it would be devastating from from a USA baseball perspective as you know the leader of this sport around the world to to not make it to the uh, to, out of the group stage. Yeah, and I I was just gonna add that. I think this is going to, you're going to see some more urgency um, in the next World Baseball Classic. Guys wanting to play, um, the best Americans wanting to play. I know we have a lot of them, but a lot of guys were like, hey, you know, it's not that we don't take it that seriously. Like Mexico takes this stuff seriously, right? The, the, the Puerto Rico takes this stuff seriously. Venezuela takes this stuff seriously. Americans kind of just, you know, half, you know what it if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's kind of what they've been doing and they, it, they've been like just coasting in the past couple of world baseball classics, like getting to higher rounds, further rounds over the past, I don't know, four or five world baseball classics. Well, Japan's going to come and come at your head, right? Venezuela, Mexico, they're going to come at your head. They show that it means something to them. We got to make it mean something to us. You know, that's going to be the difference in four years because this team is a lost cause. Maybe they get to the next round, but they're not going to beat a team like Venezuela or Puerto Rico or something like that in, in, a, in, a, in a winner take all. Right, Jake? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you saw that urgency this year out of the hitters. I mean, I think, you know, that line, the lineup is absolutely stacked and I get it. I get it with pitchers where it's harder in March when you're trying to prepare for an MLB season to ramp up and, you know, go and pitch in high leverage situations and, and do all that. Um, but then you look at guys like, you know, Sandy Alcantara is pitching for the Dominican. Shohei Otani is pitching for Team Japan. Like these studs, a lot of these countries have their best pitchers, you know, ready to go. Julio Arias is pitching for Mexico. Maybe they're only throwing three, four innings at a time, but they're out there getting their work in and doing what they can. Um, when, you know, there's guys like Corbin Burns, Jacob deGrom, like I understand coming off injuries and those type of things where you kind of have to prioritize what you want to do. But that's that's the same thing where you're saying where it means something different to these guys that put on that jersey. Um, so it, it'll be interesting if this team doesn't make it out of, out of the group stage, um, and out of pool play, how, how things change moving forward. 
So we, we talked about this before going to break, but Jake and Brandon, you guys are part of this lost generation of football. Like when they removed the National Football League from Los Angeles, you guys grew up here without a team. And when the Rams and the Chargers came back, following 21 years without a team here, I really said it's going to take a long time. They're going to have to build this fan base from scratch because all these other you know kids who grew up, they grew up fans of San Francisco or the Packers or someone else. And the Rams were on the right track. I mean, beyond the right track. I mean, they, they went to two Super Bowls. They won a championship. Not only did they win a championship, they won one right in Los Angeles. My concern, I want to get your guys' thoughts, I really believe the way that they followed up that championship is obviously the worst way that you could. I mean, one of the worst title defenses in league history followed up by what they've done this year, which is basically dismantling this team. Like, like, is there some concern that the goodwill that the Rams have built, all the fan base and the people are being really excited about what they've done, can they lose those fans? Jake, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, that's, that's a tough question. I, I would love to say no, but, but it, it's, it's hard, right? Like you're trying to, it's kind of like, I, I kind of want to compare to like what baseball is doing where they're trying to secure the second generation of fans. Um, and you need to just keep going and going and going where the Rams are trying to secure, you know, this fan base. And, and if you're not competitive, it's, it's hard to get people to buy in. Right. But, but the Rams have had a five year stretch, you know, in LA, where they've won, yeah, I want to say more games than almost anyone in the NFL. They've, you know, won a Super Bowl, appeared in another. Like, they've been incredibly competitive for the last five years, where if you yeah. take any fan from across the country and say, I want to give you this five-year stretch for your team, they're going to take it every single time. Yeah. It's just hard because it wasn't like they were decent for three years and built a fan base, and then they were great, and then they capitalized on that. It's they were great as they were trying to build it, and now – right when you're trying to secure it and, you know, put the foundation, the foundation's kind of been laid, you're trying to build on that. It's kind of starting to fall apart. Um, but, you know, we don't know. Left needs said multiple times. It's a, whatever, what, what, uh, what's called it? A remodel, it's, not a remodel. It's a remodel. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what the next couple, you know, the next couple of weeks look like. I know the free agency window is about to open and teams are about to start discussing and, and making moves. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be really interesting. I always think back to what this team would look like today if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't get hurt in the Super Bowl, because my thought is he comes back. Um, they would have, they would have loved to bring him back. And I think the team in the last year kind of looks a lot different. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what it looks like moving forward. Yeah, and just going off on that, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And then you got Austin Eckler requesting a trade from the Chargers. I think it's much tougher for the Chargers, a team that really has most of its fan base in San Diego. Already the home, the opposing crowds come and just take over the stadium. I think it's this offseason is more important for them. They might even release Keenan Allen. I don't know what they're going to do. Now do they draft Jameer Gibbs? I don't think Bijan Robinson is going to be available at 26. That's going to be important. They draft a running back. Um that's interesting. I'm more interested about the Raiders. They do have a fan base. Um, huge offseason. Doesn't look like they're going to bite and take Will Levis at seven. It looks like they're going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo, which I prefer because I think Will Levis is maybe the most overrated prospect in the history of prospects. But uh, look, they don't, they, they don't want to trade. I mean, he's a bum. That guy's going to suck in the NFL. I'm telling you right now. No offense. This is coming from a guy who's who's basically the same size. We're both big, like physical dudes, and it's like, 
The guy can't play football. Like I don't care about I love size. That you're Bryce. comparing you're comparing your physical <laughs> stature to a first round NFL draft prospect. Well, I'm I'm bigger than him. He's I know six, you're I'm like six, I six. know, but like uh, but I'm older than him though. I got you know I'm in my mid twenties, muscle tone almost now. Like he has some time, <laughs> but I'm just saying like. Will Levis is not good. I, I hate this narrative that Bryce Young can't play football because Bryce Young's easily the best quarterback in this draft, in my opinion, um, despite his size. So I really want the Raiders to go after Jimmy G. I think that would help a lot because they have a roster close to making the playoffs. And I think Jimmy G is one of those guys who wins you some close games. He might lose you some close games, but he'll win you some close games. Brandon, I don't want to yeah. veer too far off path, but where are you at on Anthony Richardson? I like Anthony Richardson. I think he could be a superstar, but he could also be terrible. But who's willing to take that risk? I have no idea what to think of Anthony Richardson because it's like, what's up, Gian? By the way, side note on Anthony Richardson, his um, percentage completion is at 54%. So take that for what you will. No, I mean, the guy can do... The physical tools, man. The physical tools are there, but yeah, it's like, but sure, he can he can there, run fast and he can jump high, but he can't beat Vanderbilt. Like, I don't get it. Like, like I saw a tweet from, I don't remember who it was from, but it was like, I love the NFL Combine because scouts will watch every single throw a guy makes, watch every single second of game tape, but as soon as he jumps really high, everything gets thrown out the window. Like, I'll tell you, I he's better don't. than Will Levis, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, like, I'll tell you that right now. He's going to be better than him because he can run. But Will Levis is happy feet. He can't run. I think C.J. Stroud limited, too. It's a kind of weak quarterback class, if you ask me. Um, I think C.J. is a little – like, why do you – why did the Panthers trade the house for C.J. Stroud? That makes no sense to me. And I think the Texans pass on Young because they're obsessed with size. I think they take Anthony Richardson at two, probably. Real quick, because you, you, you've means- been uh, – real quick – Brandon, because you've been hard on him. Jimmy G did take San Francisco to the Super Bowl, had one drop pick away from going to a second Super Bowl. If the Raiders get Jimmy Garoppolo and reunite him with his former quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator, uh, how good can they be? Real quick. I mean, they they can be good. I know we don't have much time here. The only thing I'm concerned about is Jimmy can't throw the deep ball. Devontae lives off of a deep ball sometimes. That's kind of concerning. But he is an ac- he's an accurate passer, and he's going to keep you in games. He's an excellent game manager, and he's handsome. Perfect for Vegas. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> it's important. That's important. When you have a handsome quarterback, it does wonders for a team. I do agree you know? with that, you know, because I'm a big fan of the local news and the local news here in Vegas. All of the female reporters here are very much clamoring for Jimmy Garoppolo. So we'll see if that happens. I, 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 listen, if I'm Las Vegas, you got to get a star quality quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is right around there. Jake, we'll have you back on soon, my friend. Good to see you as always. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.